That's a sports ball. Sports Com- ball. Coming to you from the Sports Ball Studios. You are now listening to the Small Monster Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Small Market Podcast with your host, Wataki and Hoffman. How are you doing today, Wataki? Doing pretty good on this lazy Monday. Doing doing pretty well on this lazy sports ball Monday brought to you by Curveball Collectibles at 166. <laughs> Sounds just like the huge show. Right, just yeah. pour ourselves out. Yeah. For... That's Tully Moore Golf Court. No. <laughs> at 166 North Center Road in Saginaw, Michigan. It's Curveball Collectibles. Go see our friends, uh, Mike Wilson, over at Curveball in Saginaw. What do we have on the sports docket today, Kentucky? It's been such a slow week, absolutely dead. Uh, baseball is just awful around here. Um, so I just, I'd looking some stuff up, and, and the first thing that, that kind of caught my eye was this Wessel, Russell Westbrook incident here. Fighting around the world, Russell Westbrook. (laughs) And I'll give you a little bit of the backstory because I know you that you don't necessarily know it. Um, I just know that he's a bully and he likes to. He's a bully and he's got pick on fans. He's got a very thin skin, and anybody, anytime anybody says anything, he 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 fights back. Which, yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. But I'll give you the backdrop. So, the Suns playing the Clippers at halftime. Clippers are up five. During halftime, to get to the to get to the visiting team's locker room in Phoenix, they can take a sh- the players can take a shortcut through a VIP section that you know that fans sit at, and this was allowed. Players were allowed to cut through that during COVID because there was no stand no fans in the building. Flash forward to now, fans are now in the building. It's packed. They're still allowing the players to cut through that VIP section. And this is where the incident happened. One of the fans started chirping at Russell. He's got very sensitive ears. He heard. <laughs> like his skin. Like his skin, much yeah. like his skin. And he got in the fan's face, and the fan kind of stood up, <laughs> fought back. And luckily there was a security guard there who kind of inter- intervened in between the two. But... It brings up a, a situation where you're putting the fans and the players, I feel, a little bit too close to each other. I agree, yeah. I mean, we've seen, obviously, being in Detroit, we've seen the malice at the Palace, and we've seen how that worked. And, and at that point in time, there was no players coming into contact with fans. There was a nice little barrier all the way around the court and stuff, and you get escorted in and escorted out of the locker room. Yeah. And now you have players walking right through the seating area. Yeah, that's weird. And that's that's very odd to me. Yeah. I I feel like if that's your home team that's cutting through there, not a problem, right? Cuz cuz right. it's it's your your favorite players that you're seeing. But the opposing team. But the opposing team that people boo and they heckle and people are and this yeah. is at halftime so they've already had the first half to drink. Yeah. It's just is... a recipe for disaster, especially if you have a player that can't keep his cool and understand that heckling is unfortunately part of the deal in sports at that level. 
It always seems to be basketball fans too. I, I'm not sure why that is. Like basketball fans have a excuse me, they have kind of like a bravado about them that they they feel like they can just talk trash to to the players and be that cl- and there, there's an accessibility thing too like you they they can s- like sit on the court like court you can get courtside seats and be sitting basically next to or right behind some of these players and be within earshot of them so you just be talking about the game or talking trash or something and these guys overhear it <sighs> These dudes are like seven feet tall, you know. They're big dudes. And, yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with the second half of your statement. With the first half of your statement, I feel there's trash talking everywhere. To some degree sure. in every sport. Yeah. I don't think it's as prevalent maybe in baseball. I think that in hockey, I think you got fans that are jawing yeah. at the guys in the penalty box. But they're separated by but they're all separated by glass. glass. That's where I agree with yeah. the second half of your statement, is the accessibility yeah. factor is, is, I think, the real problem here. Mm-hmm. Is Westbrook kind of a dick? Yes. Should fans kind of chill out and maybe not be insulting? Absolutely. Yeah. But they're paying money for their ticket, and you're also making millions to play a kid's game. I think that right. the, the, the issue is the accessibility, because football fans, Philly fans in particular, can get real vile. Sure, yeah. But there's also a barrier there, you know. There is, you have a space in between the benches that's longer than your house, you know. There's a wall there that's a drop-off point. You're you're not on the field of play with them. Exactly. And so I I feel like that's the issue there and that that's kind of what needs to happen is you need to stop. allowing the players to interact with fans and vice versa. I agree. And and if that means taking away courtside seats at some point, because because if you look at it, you really only got like three rows before it actually starts to go up Mm -hmm. into the stands. Well, have you seen some of those seats where like, there's a a viral video of like, there's a young lady who's got a courtside seat and there's a game that LeBron wasn't playing in, but he, he's on the bench. So he's at the end of the bench the girl was sitting right next to LeBron. I mean, <laughs> like she could nudge him and talk to him the whole game if she wanted to. So you know? I mean, now that's 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 too close when you have situations like this. However, yeah. I'm also a big proponent. I mean, you've heard me complain when we go to Tigers games. Now they have the netting all the way down right. the sideline. It feels like you're closing off fans yep. from the players. There's no accessibility, and that's what grows a sport. Right. You know, so it's a give and take. It's, yeah, you know, it's a double-edged sword there. You're going to lose the accessibility for for the kids, for, yeah. the, for the fans that aren't being exactly. disruptive. Uh, but at the same time, you also got to protect the brand, and it doesn't look good when you have these types of videos showing up on social media. Right. Well, I mean, I, I saw another video earlier this season where, um, you know, uh, Westbrook was warming up at the beginning of the game, and a guy yelled out to him, Westbrook, and he could hear it, so he walked over to the guy, and he said, what did you say? What did you say? And the guy was like, Westbrook, Westbrook, what? You know, and <laughs> just really backed off, of course, because you've got Ru- Russell Westbrook right in your face, <laughs> who's, <laughs> you know, who's, you know, six foot seven, and 
lean as hell and 250 yeah yeah and ready to beat you up well i mean give the guy some credit though hoffman that's a good nickname (laughs) what's the next topic i'll keep it in the nba i'll keep it in the nba have you heard of the conspiracy theory about uh about Jaron Jackson. A little bit about this. Walk me through the... the is it one statistician that's... They're, they're accusing one statistician for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, they're of kind of padding his stats a little bit. Padding his stats. And this is like a, just an independent internet journalist here on Reddit that has compiled videos that are... Um, that dispute some of these statistics. Uh, there's videos of guys driving the lane, losing the ball... And Jaron Jackson getting credit for blocks, and it's it's questionable as to whether or not he should have. They also he also lists stats on the season, like through seventeen home games, he's got sixty seven blocks and thirty three or twenty two steals. But then sixteen sixteen games on the road, he's got thirty seven blocks and twelve steals. Like so, yeah. the numbers are almost cut in half when he goes on the road as opposed to playing at home. And this might not be such a big deal, but we he, he won the, the defensive player, player of the year, year. and so and, and his stats are a big reason why he was in the tops in the running for that. The reason for it, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it's it's to the point where the NBA had to make a statement on it, saying mm. that. You know they're looking into it, but they don't suspect there's been any kind of foul play. And I look at this and I'm like, I mean, this is this a legitimate conspiracy theory, or is there some fact to it? Well, I think if you look at the guy going on the road and the his stats, his averages are cut in half. I I think we have something there, you know. But I also look at the source. I mean, this is Reddit. This is this is like this is like the whole home base for internet trolls like that just want to tear apart anything in society yeah Yeah. so you take a grain of salt i mean this is is, that the only source that is this is an independent journalist on reddit Mm. that has brought this to light and now people are kind of starting to notice it and run with it and it showed up here on our show cbs sports did an article on it that's interesting i'll be yeah be interested to see what else happens with this I mean, defensive player of the year, it it means something to people in Detroit because Ben Wallace, you know, our, one of our Hall of Famers. You Built know, his entire career on defense. Right. A Hall of Fame career on yeah. defense. And we're very proud of that. But does the rest of the country care that um, this kid won defensive player of the year? Probably not. Is there going to be too much look? I mean, does it, what's in it for the NBA to further investigate or, or expose this? Or if this is even a thing. This To me, this feels like if you're going to try to pad someone's stats, wouldn't you pad somebody's offensive stats? Someone right. who's, the, who's the face of your team, pad their offensive stats, and get them like an MVP award. This seems right. like this is like somebody that's counterfeiting five dollar bills instead of hundreds and trying yeah. to pass them off. I feel like you're. I think it's probably harder. It's weird. Well, you know, one of the examples you you pointed out was there was you know a video of Zion driving the lane and it didn't even count as a real shot attempt, but they counted the the. Um, they counted whatever move Jaron Jackson Jr. had on Zion as a block. So mm-hmm. I think 
because there's a lot of defensive maneuvers that can that are very subjective it's probably a hell of a lot easier to get away with padding the stats on the defensive side of the ball where if you're trying to to up the ante for the points for like John ja Morant to make a case for him being MVP. You can't just yeah, give him 10 extra points. Right. Like the baskets <laughs> you know? didn't go in. That exactly. Is, that's or, a good point. It is a lot easier to do it on that end. Sure. Because it is so subjective. You're like, ooh, that looked like a steal. But, but so. if it is subjective, then maybe that's just how they're how they're seeing it at home. I mean, subjective, the word subjective is what it means. I mean, right. subjective for a reason. Yeah. This isn't a factual thing. Yeah, that's true. That's it's true. it's open to interpretation as to what was a block and what was a steal and who gets credit for it. Yeah, exactly. But you can't do that for like you know, three pointers made or or you know field goals or free throws or that's or true. scoring average or anything like that. It's just you, numbers don't lie on that side. Yeah, the ball yeah. don't lie. So, yeah. moving on to baseball, Hoffman. Well, we'll look forward to seeing what, what comes of that. I'm I'm curious. Yeah, because, I mean, I know you will be, too. You'll be checking it out Dude, all the time. I got, because it's I got a, some real sweet Jaron Jackson Jr. cards. <laughs> I, I wasn't do. going that direction. I was thinking, you know, because he's a Spartan, then you've got dirt on another oh, Spartan. Yeah, just another. You know, this, ooh. ooh. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trashing MSU this week. We got... Right. Possibly Bobby okay. Wilson coming on next week. I don't want to oh, leave a bad taste. Yeah, in his so mouth, you got to so. behave yourself. I yeah. do. I do. Okay. Shout out. All Matt. right. Shout out Matt Dickinson there. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Matt, real quick, did you see what he posted in the group chat there? Yeah, that was that insane. Parker Bone autographed uh, jersey yeah. type of thing that he wore when he won his. Oh, if I had that senior title, I'd be taking that to Michael's right away to get framed up, custom framed. I just think yeah, cool. he's got That's so much. So off- cool. He uh he's the leading authority in bowling collectible memorabilia. Oh yeah, he's gonna become like probably fifteen twenty years from now, he will have the biggest collection of bowling memorabilia out of anybody in the world. Like the it's world. A, yeah, because nobody's thought to start amassing this stuff and right exactly. And the greats of the golden era of bowling are still alive, and he's still able to to get some of that stuff. Exactly, yeah. you know. Like from from the Webers and you know and Parker Bones. Yeah, and he's and got some cool stuff from Mark Roth and Marshall Holman and Walter and, Ray. Yeah, Walter Ray, and it, it's it's only it's even cooler that Parker Bone is such a cool dude. We've had Parker Bone on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I should. I wish I had thought of that to like get that close to Parker Bone and be like, "Hey, dude, could I?" Can I get one of your jerseys, or could I, you know, yeah. buy a jersey from you or something? And he's such a nice dude; he probably would have done it, you know. But probably just to me, that's here. like that'd be. I've got a lot of cool stuff, you know that, Wataki. Mm-hmm. That'd be a Grail piece. That'd be one of my Grail pieces for sure. We hang that up on the wall. Heck yeah, right next to that off-center Detroit Tigers banner that pisses me off every time I look at it. Is it off-center? I can't tell. Speaking of <laughs> shitty, shitty baseball. <laughs> Um, that's okay. a great segue. Javi <laughs> Baez. Oh, God. <laughs> I actually wasn't going to talk about Javi Baez because I think the whole world knows how awful he's played lately. <laughs> it's like the meme that I posted on our Instagram. Did you, You've seen that? I did. Posted that like a month or two ago. I thought you would have loved that. I'll look it up. You, you go ahead and launch into your... Oh, God. Well, I 
actually before I launch into it, I just no matter how bad this Monday is, Hoffman, we can all be thankful that Al Avila is no longer the general manager <laughs> of the Detroit Tigers. Isn't that, a, isn't that a strange rebuild that he was trying? Like he's <laughs> he's drafting all these guys. You got like Torkelson and Green and stuff that is, they're not really coming up. You know, none of the pitching prospects are really coming up at all. But then he's like, I think we're ready to make a big name splash at second base. <laughs> and let's sign Javi Baez. For way too much money. Yeah. So now he's just this, you know, you on this team you have a bunch of young guys that just stink. <laughs> and you have Javi Baez's big name, like, gem piece. This is like building Trump Tower in the hood, like, on so the north side stupid. of Flint. I just, I don't understand what we're, what we're doing here. I can't believe you don't read the memes that we post on our Instagram. This is, this is exactly what you said. Here, I'm gonna post it on our, to our story once the episode publishes, so oh, people, thanks. people see this again, but you've seen Moneyball, right? Yeah, I've seen Moneyball. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's um, uh, Jonah uh, talking to Brad Pitt's character, and he's going, "Billy, this is Javi Baez. He makes twenty three point three hundred and th- he makes twenty three point three million dollars each season to play shortstop for the Detroit Tigers. His defect is that he's literally not good at anything." <laughs> Dude, he's got a sweet name, though. <laughs> and he looks cool. And he looks cool. He wears those shades. Yeah, and he's got arm tattoos. And he's tan. And he's Javi Baez. The chicks that dig him, man. Yeah. But you got... But you got, Tigers uh, fans don't. <laughs> you got a team full of young guys that aren't, aren't any good. You got yeah. a, Miguel Cabrera, who's limping along in his last Hall of Fame season. Yeah, he's doing and then his tour so this that guy can get all like, his gifts. You then you know? got this guy in the prime of his career that really... Doesn't do, do anything. anything. <laughs> and I'm just Except like... Except for B... Javi Baez and collect a paycheck. This was the probably worst. Is this the worst rebuild in Detroit sports history? I don't know if which, I've seen a worse one. Which is saying or a lot. At it. Which is saying a lot because I've been a hopeless Lions fan. Oh yeah, for, the Matt Patricia for thirty years, and uh, uh, we could arm wrestle that one. That's a coin toss. Th- there's there's been a lot of like we've been we've been rebuilding for the last. 30 years with the, yeah, since but, we lost Barry Sanders. But I don't think there's ever been a contrast between the talent of players at different That's positions true. where it's just like, like when we had Barry Sanders, we still had like Scotch Mitchell was an adequate quarterback. Herman right. Moore was a good to decent to good yeah. receiver. Johnny Morton was a decent receiver. Like you weren't just, but it's like we have, Zach, shout out to CMU, Zach McKinstry and... Javi Baez, like this just... And Matt Veerling. And Matt Veerling and Miguel Cabrera, who's... Spencer Torkelson, and I I like Riley Green, man. I I was going to say, Riley Green's like your only guy, but it's like... And Akil Badu, who like we were all super excited about, you know, a couple years ago, and now it's just like, oh, every time he comes to the plate, it's like... You know, you get really excited. You're like, Akil Badu is on deck. This is gr- this is awesome. He's gonna do something finally. And then he gets up there and he like grounds out to second or or into a double play. Like God forbid, Torkelson actually makes it on base, and then it's <laughs> yeah, into a it's into bad. a double play or you know fly out or just the dumbest strikeout ever. You know, Hoffman. The A's are actually a worse team than the Tigers right now. 
Can you believe that? I I find it hard to believe I that. I thought we were the worst in baseball. We're not actually even the worst in our division. Just give it time. <laughs> just wait and see. Wataki, just give it time. We'll catch up. We'll catch up. They're staging a reverse boycott in Oakland. <laughs> Have you ever heard of such a thing? No. No. I so what's going on there? I hadn't either. So on June 13th, they're doing a reverse boycott, and they're just apparently going to fill the stadium <laughs> because they're the lowest... They have the lowest average attendance in baseball right now at just over 11,000 people per game. So not only do they have the worst team in baseball, they also have the stupidest fan base. <laughs> because they don't understand that you, you want to not go to the game to send a message. Not go to the game. and the, their, That'll show ownership. Their thought process Fill is, up the, Sell out the stadium. Do you want to hear their thought press, process, Hoffman, before you just label them as the dumbest fan base? I've got to hear this. Yeah. They want to prove that it's not the fans. The, the, poor, well, we the poor play is not attributed to lack of interest from the fans. Well, I could have told you that. <laughs> well, I, I mean, mean they, maybe they, you know, maybe, maybe they feel that there's people out there that think home field advantage plays a big part. It doesn't, if your team sucks, it doesn't matter how how many tickets you buy and how loud you cheer or it's not like it's we just clap harder they'll all get better they'll, uh, they'll all get more talent I, if we cheer louder and yeah i'm just telling you what they do in california all right i mean if there, if there isn't <laughs> okay. enough reasons well, to think the fan bases out there are dumb this is just another reason do we have this, any? Uh, also, though, note you, you've looked at our I, analytics. Do we have any listeners in California? Uh, Luke, but he moved back here. Oh, California. okay. Then no, go we ahead. Don't. We 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 have no listeners in California. <laughs> go ahead. Keep on the, bashing them. The uh, fine print of the article: uh, This boycott is known to cause cancer in California. <laughs> <laughs> is that stale? That's stale. Um, All right, moving on. I just. Like laughed tea up into my nose, so thank you very much. Yeah, laughed some of my Saint Vincent water up into my nose. So yeah. now on to college football. Uh, CBS Sports had posted an article over the last couple of days listing the top ten college coaches that are in the hot seat. Um, and as I was reviewing that list, you had a lot of the usual suspects. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, Jimbo Fisher, guys that are kind of perpetually always seem to be on that list. And one guy that I think was missed was Mr. Mel Tucker uh, from Michigan State. And so as a loyal college football fan, I am going to make the case for Mr. Tucker. Now, Mel got hired in. Uh, as we know, Mark D'Antonio left the covered bear, left in the middle of the night. And so the first year, uh, Mel comes in, and he accumulates a 2-5 and five record in conference his first season. That's good for 7th in the Big Ten East in 2020. Fine. That's understandable. He had nothing to work with. Coming in the next season, people thought maybe he'd come in, get a 500 season. Um, that was not the case. He came in and accumulated an 11-2 overall record, 7-2 in the Big Ten, beat his rival, Michigan, in what was an epic game, uh, third in the Big Ten East, went to the Peach Bowl, won the Peach Bowl, also had a guy by the name of Kenneth Walker III, as you'll remember, uh, Heisman candidate up until he got injured. 
and it looked like things were on the up and up. MSU gives them this massive contract, and then we have last year. These, By all accounts, the fans had expected Mel Tucker to be competing for a Big Ten championship. The trend is going up. So what happens? He comes in. He has a 5-7 and seven in conference record. I'm sorry, 5-7 and seven overall record. 3-6 and six in conference. Good enough for dead last. And doesn't make his bowl game. You, you play against your rival Michigan, and you get absolutely destroyed. And then after the game, you have the tunnel incident, which we all know what happened there. Swinging helmets at other players after a game. It's just right. a very, very bad look. You've had a very bad season till that point. The wheels kind of fell off during that game. And it's a, it's a very forgettable season. I feel like since there wasn't at least mediocrity sustained after the 11-2 and Peach Bowl season, that there wasn't at least a ramp up on recruiting. Because re- recruiting throughout this entire time for him has been very mundane, very run-of-the-mill. You would think after an 11-2 season, you have a, a running back that was potentially a Heisman candidate towards the end of the year mm-hmm. before the injury that that would kind of spur a little bit more momentum on the recruiting trail, and it has not. Yeah. I think going into this season, he should be on as much of a hot seat as anyone else going into it. I'm not saying he should be fired. I'm saying there should be noticeable improvement. I say you need to be at least above 500 a game or two. I think you need to at least make a bowl game. I think your game against Michigan has to be at the very least competitive. It can't be a blowout. There can't be off-the-field issues. Right. The, what also hurts him is after the 11-2 and two season, he signed a contract where he's getting paid almost $10 million a season, way more than Jim Harbaugh was, who took a pay cut, right. a massive pay cut, to even have a job at Michigan. So... Y- you see where this is kind of going here. You're, you're going, on a downward yeah. trend right now, and momentum's a huge thing in college football. So I sit here and I say, well, you got a list of the top 10 people that are on the hot seat. Why isn't he making that list? A guy that makes that list, which is very confusing to me, is Ryan Day, who up until this point has lost four Big Ten con- in-conference games, two of them being to your biggest rival. Yeah. Those two times that he lost to them, your rival went on to win the conference championship. So that's cause for frustration but during one of those years you also made the college football playoff you also were a field goal away in that first round from playing for a national championship right and now the next season he's on the hot seat i think it it also has it's yeah but there's there's two x factors that uh you're not considering with talking like one of them is um the spotlight you know it is the spotlight shining greater on Michigan State or on Ohio State? Ohio State all day, right? I, Big time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Second thing, what you say, I think especially as a head coach, you you are um, possibly the only role model on that on the college team on the team because you are the head coach. You're you're the face of the team. Every year, you're going to be there, right? I think Ryan Day has said some things the last couple years that haven't been so 
I want to say role model like or favorable or necessarily mature. Uh, Mel Tucker, on the other hand, um, hasn't. I don't think he said anything so outlandish or out there that wasn't in the realm of like. I can't believe the head coach just said that. He hasn't done or said anything like that. Um, I think it's also forgivable to. and as far as Michigan State, this is kind of a, a niche area because Michigan State, it wasn't too long ago that D'Antonio packed up his stuff in the middle of the night and, and you know, jetted and left, out and jetted out and took everything with him, right? Yep. I think Michigan State know, remembers that. They understand it and they they remember how hard it was to find a new head coach, to find the perfect guy. So they're probably thankful that they've got a guy like that. And I think there's a mutual, we're happy to have you here. I know this was a, a crappy season. Let's try to make next season better. You know, of course, every day, sometimes you just have bad recruiting years, you know? And I think that usually comes in like eh, about the second, third, fourth year, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I, and he, he just suffered that for sure. Uh, I think you make very valid points, Hoffman, and I think that I'm very interested. I think I will bring that up to Bobby. Yeah, and I and I'd like to get his opinion on that. I'm sure he's got a take being on a, it. Being a former yeah, yeah. Spartan himself, right? Yeah, I'm sure he's got a take on it. Uh, but yeah, Mel Tucker and I'm. I know that you're not you're not a fan of him, uh, but he he comes off to me as a head coach. He comes off to you like he does say and do the right things. Um, having a bad recruiting class isn't always necessarily the head coach's fault. I don't think. I mean, a lot of factors kind of come into play sometimes. And with the the era of the portal and the fact that players can make money off their likenesses now, those are factors that are coming into play that we didn't even account for. That nobody's accounted for that are certainly taking effect um i think the transfer portal is super gosh that it it just it comes into play more than we we know you know you get a guy you bring a guy on you tell him he's gonna start and then someone better beats him out then you know then he's no longer have this guy as a backup yeah that guy's jet and he's off to the to the next you know, school. Or I'll go to Western you... Michigan because I'll start there, you yep. know, or, or whatever. Or get his playing time. Exactly. So, and I could, I might be able to get some endorsements and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think there's a lot of factors there who, depending on who's on the hot seat, who's not. And every school differs depending on size and location. And it's not all uniform or you know, like in the pro teams. So there's just too many elements taking place in, in college sports. So that's just my opinion. That's fair, Hoffman, and you're entitled to that. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> right. <laughs> my least favorite term. I, I hate that term. It's, it's just agree to disagree. I don't agree with anything you just said, but I'm going to say you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it's agreed. To, so let's, let's agree to disagree. Let's all agree that Hoffman's wrong, and we and can end the show on that exactly. note, Hoffman. Well, we can ag- agree to disagree. I think we should do another 15 minutes of shit. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Once again, we want to thank our sponsor, 
Mike Wilson over at Curveball Collectibles. He's at 166 North Center Road in Saginaw, Michigan. Go check out Curveball. He does breaks. He does signings. He does JSA on-site authentication. PSA send-outs. PSA send-outs. And it's just a barbershop feel at his, his store. It's If you can't find it at Curveball, you can't find it anywhere, honestly. Thank you, everybody. We'll catch you next week. We'll have Bobby Wilson on on next week. You've been listening to the Small Market Podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, send us a message at smallmarketpodcast at gmail.com, or get more behind-the-scenes writings from Hoffman at smallmarketpodcast backslash blogspot.com. Music for the Small Market Podcast has been provided by the 8-Arm Killer.